HK. Live across Hong Kong, this is Radio 3. It's 8.03 in Hong Kong. Good morning from me, Peter Lewis, and welcome to Money Talk on Radio 3. Here are the business and finance headlines for Wednesday the 27th of July. The International Monetary Fund has cut its global growth forecast and says the world economy is teetering on the brink of recession. The IMF has cut its 2022 global growth forecast to just 3.2%. That's down 0.4 percentage points from its April estimate and roughly half the pace of last year's expansion and warned the slowdown risks being even more severe with growth stalling in the US, UK, EU and China. Hong Kong Financial Secretary Paul Chan suggested yesterday that the SAR's economy could be close to recession. He told the South China Morning Post in an interview that exports and investments remain sluggish despite a rise in consumption and the city's economy in the second quarter was not as strong as expected and the COVID-19 situation has taken more time to ease than previously predicted. He said a review of the SAR's GDP forecast would be made in August. The liquidity in Hong Kong's banking system has halved in the past two months as the Hong Kong Monetary Authority attempts to defend the Hong Kong dollar's monetary peg with the US dollar. The HKMA bought a total of 172 billion Hong Kong dollars of local currency since May the 11th, shrinking the aggregate balance to about 165 billion Hong Kong dollars. New COVID cases have rebounded on the mainland. 869 cases were reported yesterday for Monday, up from 680 a day earlier. In Shenzhen, 19 local cases were detected, and authorities have ordered some of China's biggest firms to operate within a closed-loop system for seven days. And Chinese e-commerce giant Alibaba said yesterday that it would apply for a primary listing in Hong Kong, which would allow it to be traded by mainland investors through the Stock Connect scheme. The company expects the listing to be completed by the end of 2022, making it a dual primary listed company on the stock exchanges of Hong Kong and New York. On today's Money Talk, we're joined by Asian fund management industry consultant Stuart Aldcroft, Dickie Wong, head of research at Kingston Securities, and RTHK's international economics correspondent, Barry Wood. Money Talk on RTHK. Shares in U.S. retailers led Wall Street's lower after Walmart warned that higher inflation would hurt its profits. Shares of Walmart fell 7.6%, dragging the Dow 229 points lower to 31,762. The S&P 500 slipped 1.1% to 3,921. The Nasdaq Composite Index dived 1.9%, ending the session at 11,563. After the bell, there were further disappointing second quarter earnings news from Google parent Alphabet, which missed on both earnings and revenue. Quarterly revenue growth fell to its slowest pace in two years, rising 13% in the June quarter to $69.7 billion missing estimates for $70.8 billion. It's the fourth quarterly slowdown in a row when compared with the previous year. Shares of Alphabet are up 4.8% in after-hours trading on improved ad spending at Google. 
Microsoft has reported revenue and earnings below the lowered guidance the company issued last month. A sharp contraction in the PC market, the strong US dollar and macroeconomic weakness combined to eat into Microsoft's growth in the last quarter. The software company reported revenue of 51.9 billion US dollars. That's an increase of 12% from the year before. But analysts had been expecting 52.4 billion. Shares of Microsoft are up 4% in after-hours trading after it issued a rosy income forecast for the year ahead. In Europe, the regional stock 600 index and the UK's FTSE 100 were both unchanged on the day. Hong Kong stocks ended higher on Tuesday, boosted by news that Alibaba will seek a primary listing in the city. Alibaba advanced 4.8% to 104 uh, Hong Kong dollars and 40 cents. That's the highest since 14th of July. Hong Kong exchanges and clearing gained 3.5%. The Hang Seng jumped 343 points or 1.7% to 20,910. The Hang Seng Tech Index was also helped by the news, rising 1.4%. On the mainland, the Shanghai Composite added 0.8% to 3,277. Property stocks continued their rebound following the news that China will set up a real estate investment fund. The Hang Seng Mainland Properties Index surged 5.4%. However, the index of 10 of the mainland's biggest Hong Kong listed real estate companies is down almost 28% over the past three weeks. In the commodities markets, Brent crude oil settled 0.7% lower at $104.40 a barrel. European gas prices have surged 30% in two days after Russia deepened supply cuts to Europe. Futures contracts for August delivery tied to the European benchmark wholesale gas price jumped 20% yesterday and to the highest level since early March. And prices are now more than 10 times higher than the average between 2010 and 2020. Gold is at $1,718 an ounce. The US 10-year Treasury bond yield, that's unchanged at 2.8%. The US dollar index is 0.7% firmer ahead of the Fed decision tonight. The euro weakened in the wake of the European gas supply crisis. The European single currency dropped 1% to $1.01.25. The Japanese yen is at 136.97 versus the dollar. Sterling is a touch weaker at $1.20 and a third cents and nine Hong Kong dollars and 45 cents. The Chinese yuan is at 6.77 in offshore markets and Bitcoin that dropped 4% to 21,100. Looks like Asia-Pacific stocks um, are opening up uh, weaker. The SX200 in Australia off 0.1%. Similar story for the Nikkei 225, also down 0.1% in Japan. The Cosby is off 0.2% in South Korea. And futures markets pointing to a decline of 150 points for the Hang Seng at the Open this morning. Times 8.10, let's welcome our guests. We have our regular Wednesday morning commentator, Stuart Allcroft, Asian Fund Management Industry Consultant. Morning, Stuart. Good morning, Peter. And a nice, bright, sunny day. Yet again, another... Well, I think we're going to get into a record long time hot weather period. Yep, we've just had the third hottest day on record in Hong yes. Kong. May get even hotter. Yeah. Uh, even hotter. Uh, also, welcome to Dickie Wong, Head of Research at Kingston Securities. Welcome back, Dickie. 
Good morning, Peter, and good morning, everyone. Hot summer. Yes, indeed. And over <laughs> in Washington, D.C., we have our international economics correspondent, Barry Wood. Morning to you, Barry. Good morning, Peter. Yes, it's hot in Washington and all over most of the North America, so it's global. Great. We're all hot and happy. Let's start with Alibaba. Chinese e-commerce giant Alibaba said yesterday it's going to apply for a primary listing in Hong Kong, which would allow it to be traded by mainland investors through the Stock Connect scheme. The company expects the listing to be completed by the end of this year, which will make it a dual primary listed company on the stock exchanges of Hong Kong and New York. Um, in a statement, Alibaba CEO Daniel Zhang said the company will pursue the dual listing to foster a wider and more diversified uh, investor base. And he said Hong Kong is also the launch pad for Alibaba's globalization strategy and we're fully confident in China's e- economy and future. Um, Stuart, tell us a little bit about um, the significance of this and why it's important for Alibaba to have a Hong Kong primary listing. I mean, the point of it is that originally when Alibaba announced they wanted to get a listing, which was around, what, 2013, I suppose, it actually did 2014, Hong Kong made a really big pitch to try to get the primary listing, and ultimately um, Alibaba decided on New York because they saw um, probably higher turnover, bigger valuation, all of which proved to be the case. And there was also a problem with its dual share class structure, wasn't it, as yes, well? Yes, correct. Correct. But having said that, um, a lot of things have changed over the last uh, eight years, not least that Stock Connects has become an enormously successful development, enabling um, stocks in China or Hong Kong to be traded in each other's locations. And um, Alibaba now wants to have the opportunity of having its stock traded by mainland Chinese investors, Mm. and that can do so via Stock Connect. As the Financial Times has pointed out, um, you know, if if Amazon had not been listed in the United States, but say listed in the UK, would it have been so successful because of the scale of the business in the US? And, Mm. And thus, obviously, US shareholders would want to have a piece of it. So the same applies for Alibaba to some extent. Do you think having this wider local base, shareholder base, will encourage investors to maybe look again at how to value Alibaba? Because its share price has been really hammered, hasn't it? It's down about 50% from when it listed in Hong Kong. Yes, and, and of course, the, the, the larger the turnover, the greater the popularity. Um, but it's the consequential effects of the, of, of the, if you like, the dual listing in Hong Kong, which will encourage a lot of other companies to do the same. And it will massively support the Hong Kong exchange itself mm. to increase turnover. I mean, Dickie, Dickie must be over the moon about this, I would have thought. Dickie, are you over the moon? <laughs> Dickie? Yeah, well, um, indeed, um, certainly this is a good move for Alibaba itself, and also, also it's a, a piece of good news for our Hong Kong Stock Exchange. Um, as we all know, um, obviously, I agree, and um, the situation now um, between China and U.S., um, the tension uh, will not be really eased, and also the HFCAA, um, the addiction of Chinese companies uh, are getting actually much more. Um, compared to a, a few months ago. And uh, we have to bear in mind because like secondary listing company in Hong Kong cannot be included include, uh, into the Stock Connect scheme. Mm. Even you are like a, 
blue chip stock, your uh, uh, index components of the Hang Seng Index, you cannot be included into the stock connect scheme. So this is why uh, a good move for Alibaba, because like Chinese investors, they can easily uh, directly invest into like Tencent and um, and and also most of the um, Hong Kong listed. Um, Chinese internet or tech companies, but they cannot invest into Alibaba. That's the main problem. Mm. And obviously, it will help uh, to boost not only um, the, the turnover volume, but maybe the share price and also its valuation for Alibaba. As long as Chinese investor can invest directly uh, through the Stock Connect scheme, so mm. this is a good move. So um, but actually. Um, Alibaba is not the first one. Um, well, I was going to say, Dickie, there's others, aren't there, that have a secondary listing here which aren't at the moment eligible for Stock Connect, but maybe JD.com, Baidu, NetEase, Billy Billy. Are they going to be next, do you think? This is a very good question indeed. I, I, I do really think that as they announce this kind of like idea or plan or, or even a, some kind of like strategic move for them, obviously will boost um, their share price and the um, turnover volume. Uh, for for instance, um, actually there are already a few like um, two primary listing shares in Hong Kong, including like Li Auto X Tang. Um, actually, um, in terms of their um, turnover volume and also um, money inflow from mainland, may also help actually the, the turnover in mm. Hong Kong. Actually, indeed, already helped. Um, in, in, in fact, when you compare it to other like autos companies in Hong Kong, uh, even their primary listing in Hong Kong, um, their turnover volume in Hong Kong uh, is still comparable uh, and good enough. But to, yeah, to, but, but like, the, the, I mean, the key, uh, the key here, listing. the key here for Alibaba is that they've got to get their turnover in Hong Kong. Uh, to rise substantially, even though, I mean, because it, um, according to the uh, records last six months, it was about $700 billion daily, whereas in New York it was $3.2 billion. And uh, it now needs to be a lot higher than that mm. to enable it to be qualified under Stock Connect. And I think just by having the listing, it will actually increase the turnover quite substantially. Let me bring Barry in to get a U.S. perspective on this, because, Barry, this is clearly linked to the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission's threat to delist Chinese companies if they don't satisfy U.S. audit requirements. Sure. This is exactly that. And I think uh, Alibaba is doing a very smart thing and they're hedging their bets. They know that there's tremendous uncertainty about uh, Chinese listings in New York. And it's all in line with the party's uh, designation of Hong Kong as the financial center in the greater Bay Area. So no surprise, obviously good news for Hong Kong. And it, it could cement Hong Kong um, because it, it, it gives these companies an alternative venue now, that, doesn't it? Now that uh, if they are thrown off and maybe it might even herald an exodus of U.S. listed Chinese firms. I think it could do that, but uh, I would defer to Dickey and to Stewart on that. But I think that's quite possible. Are there any indications that this dispute between the U.S. regulatory authorities and Chinese regulatory authorities over providing audit work uh, to the American regulators is going to be resolved? No, there's no sign of that yet. But let's face it, the administration here is moving slowly. They haven't done anything on tariffs yet. I would think that a lot of it might be the result of what happens when President Xi and President Biden hold a 
a conversation, which could be going on, in fact, in the next 24, 48 hours. Mm. If they can sort of break the logjam, then maybe things would move. But we really don't have a clue if they're going to get better or if they're going to get worse. But right now, they're sort of frozen. Okay, let's move on because there's a lot to talk about. The International Monetary Fund has cut its global growth forecast and it says the world economy is teetering on the brink of recession. The IMF has cut its global growth forecast for this year to just 3.2%. That's down 0.4 percentage points from its April estimate. And it's about half the pace of last year's expansion. It's warned the slowdown risks being even more severe with growth stalling in the US, UK, EU and China. And the fund predicted in 2023 that global growth would weaken further to 2.9%, but warned that it could fall to as low as 2%. The US saw the steepest downgrade of any country for 2022. The IMF cut its global growth forecast for the US to 2.3% this year from 3.7% previously and to just 1% next year. And for China... Growth is expected to fall to 3.3% this year, which is 1.1 percentage points less than anticipated in April. Stuart, is the outlook for the world economy now more gloomy than it was in April, or was the IMF just too optimistic back in April? Or is it maybe a combination of both? Well, it is a combination of both. And as we've discussed on this uh, programme many times, the IMF tends to... uh, on the wrong side, most times it makes its forecast. So it can either be too gloomy or too optimistic, and, uh, and it's rarely accurate. But it, go- it does give... Um, <laughs> there you go, Stuart. <laughs> yeah. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, this is just, just being an optimistic person here. Um, you know, the, the thing is that if they are, are rather gloomy, if they are giving a, a, a negative view, it probably means that things are actually slightly better than they're suggesting. And, um, but, it, but it is certainly true that the global economy is slowing down. There's no doubt about it. There is a fear that recession is on the way. There's a fear that inflation is rising. And we can see that in energy prices. And we can see that in, in many other aspects of, of, of day-to-day living. Mm. Uh, so, you know, it is an inevitability to some extent that people will stop spending money. And therefore, the extent to which growth occurs... Um, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll slow down. Yes, it, it, it is um, probably a more negative view, and uh, I, I think that's the, it's the trend that you need to be following, not necessarily the accuracy. Okay. Now, before I get to Dickie and Barry, we've got an urgent message from the transport department. There has been a traffic accident on part of the lanes of Tungkwano Road in the direction of Mongkok near the Toiping South Estate. Uh, the road is closed to all traffic, and traffic is very congested now. That's just in from the transport department. Uh, Dickie and Barry. Is this going to be a shallow recession with a quick bounce back or, or should we brace for a longer and deeper recession? Well, indeed. Dickie, we, you go uh, ahead. Okay, thank you, thank you. Uh, if we talk about um, the U.S., uh, okay, no question asked, will be a 75 basis point hike of the interest rate again in July, okay, to, uh, one, one day later. And um, obviously, um, Federal Reserve, they, they still have to hike interest rate and in the next or even um, the last two meetings um, this year. And um, when we talk about the, uh, the the current situation in mainland, we can't be too optimistic because um, the pandemic situation is one thing. And um, like some of the, the uh, credit crunch problems uh, across in uh, some of the Chinese developers, 
um, people refuse to pay the mortgage. And even uh, now, Chinese government promised um, they will do something to help developers to, to finish their property projects. Um, and, 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 and they will um, maybe set up a, a real estate fund to support some of the like property developers. But we can't be too optimistic because the, the GDP growth is another thing. Uh, we talk about export, we talk about consumer expenditure in mainland China. Obviously, 5.5% uh, annual gain of the GDP Chinese um, is not achievable mm-hmm. anyways. But uh, in terms of the stock market, yes, maybe um, the current valuation maybe already reflects. And yeah, bear in mind the, the Hong Kong stock market, Hang Seng Index, only trading at like twenty thousand, not thirty thousand. So, so for the Hong Kong stock market itself, it's not in a very like uh, high risk at this moment. But uh, in terms of the economy, it's another thing. I'm not that optimistic. Um, even the risk of recession. Not only in, in mainland, but basically everywhere else, including most of the countries in Asia, because they're facing um, the, the, a lot of problems because mm-hmm. U.S. keep hiking interest rate and their currency are now facing a very uh, serious pressure. Um, it, it can nothing can really help the situation. At oh, okay, all. yeah, Barry, do you, a shallow recession with a quick bounce back, or should we brace <laughs> for <laughs> Who a, knows? a longer and I, deeper one? Hey. Gloomy, uncertain, those are rather good words because I think uh, it certainly mirrors my own sentiment. But uh, I always recall the chief economist at the IMF a decade ago who said, hold it, 4% growth in China? Are you kidding? That's a recession because at that time, China, of course, was used to 9% plus Mm. growth per year. So they're talking about 3.3% this year now. Absolutely. This is a significant downgrade. Highly uncertain, already a bear market in, in equity. So, yeah, I, I think uh, contrary to Stuart Allcroft, I think the IMF may have this right. I can think of some things that could make this outlook even worse, though. Let's suppose Russia cuts off European gas completely or the war in Ukraine escalates or we get more protests in uh, some emerging market countries over surging food prices. All sorts of things could make this worse, couldn't it? Of course, well, for sure. And I think that you've got a you've got a recession in Europe almost for sure, mainly because of this sharp increase in gas prices and business confidence just really sagging consumer confidence way down. And of course, the war is very close to them. So I, I, I don't want to say forget about Europe because it's such an important part of the world economy, but it's gloomy, gloomy, gloomy over there, more so than the States. Um, I think you're right, Barry. I mean, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I just think that uh, the the world has got an opportunity to bounce back. And yes, uh, and Peter, you've sort of hit on all the negative things. But of course, if any of those don't happen, or if there is Mm -hmm. reversal of any of those, then we have an opportunity to um, be much more positive. What a bind, though, for central banks, isn't it? Because um, even if inflation has peaked, uh, it's peaked at very high levels, they've just got to carry on tightening into a recession. Well, yeah, exactly. And this is what the Fed is going to be struggling with as it uh, makes its decision today. And, yeah, you know, um, know, I think we should be looking at maybe a 75 basis points increase. The betting was earlier on a 1% increase, but uh, it's probably a bit too high at the moment. Uh, So, uh, you know, Dickie's already said 75 basis points. Barry, what's your figure? 
<laughs> I'll tell you, I was so dreadfully wrong a month ago. I'm going to uh, hold the cards close to my vest, but I think you've got to go <laughs> along with the market. So probably 75. Look, the American economy at the moment, at the moment, is still perking along at a very rapid pace. Look at the unemployment rate. Is Look it though, Barry? Consumer is, spending. Is it? Is so, it though? Do you fact, think? I'm, I'm wondering. Are, are you already in a recession? Because the first quarter, I think so. GDP I think contracted 1.6 percent, didn't it? And the absolutely, we contracted in the first quarter, Peter. And if the data that comes out on Thursday is negative, you're already seeing the White House economists saying, "Oh no, hold it! If it comes out negative, that doesn't mean recession." Well, typically, for all of us who look at these markets, that's always meant recession. So, mm -hmm. yeah, there's a slowdown. And clearly, the Federal Reserve is determined to stop inflation dead in its tracks. And they look at a strong economy, and that's why they probably will go up 75 basis points. Sort of yeah. an odd recession, isn't it? Because even if it does go into recession, you're still creating 400,000 jobs a month. It's, it's slightly odd, isn't it, to have a recession Absolutely. with that sort of jobs growth? Absolutely. And, that, and, and that's, that's been true in Europe, too. I mean, there's very full employment at, at the moment. Uh, we, should, we should remember that. And, um, but the, the question then is, will that full employment reverse and then we start seeing unemployment occur? Uh, I, I can't say whether it will occur in the U.S., but it certainly doesn't look like that at the moment in the U.K., but Dickie, let me ask you about Hong Kong, because Financial Secretary Paul Chan suggested yesterday that the SAR's economy could be close to recession. <clears throat> he told the South China Morning Post uh, that exports and investments are sluggish despite a rise in consumption. The city's economy in the second quarter was not as strong as expected, and the COVID-19 situation has taken more time to ease than previously uh, predicted. He did originally, at the time of his budget, uh, forecast growth of 2 to 3.5%. The government since downgraded that to 1 to 2%, and Mr Chan said they're going to review it again in August. Do you think we're heading for, uh, for recession here? Well, in terms of the Hong Kong economy, it was, uh, definitely no question asked if you talk about the GDP of our city. But, um, yeah, the Chinese government... Um, well, the Hong Kong government may introduce another round of like uh, spending voucher, but it, it really doesn't really help the situation in Hong Kong. Uh, we have to open up our economy. We have to let tourists to come. We have to go back to everywhere else. Expect may not come anymore if we still have like some kind of like very tight um, policy towards. Um, I mean, um, in and out in Hong Kong. So. So this is the key problem we, we have to solve. Well, I, I may expect um, Hong Kong government may uh, lose um, the policy uh, for like seven days quarantine, but um, actually better act fast. And um, second of all, the Hong Kong e economy uh, is one thing, but the Hong Kong stock market is another thing. Uh, I am quite confident about uh, the currency pack in Hong Kong. It's a very good mechanism right now. Nothing really um, a danger at the moment. And um, second of all, and I expect um, the, the inflation in U.S. may already peaked last month. So when uh, people think, oh, U.S. inflation may be peaked already, and this is definitely a good thing for the mm -hmm. stock market, mm -hmm. stock market sentiment, and also uh, for the, the next few moves for Federal uh -huh. Reserve. They do okay. have to cut interest rate, but not like a okay. hundred point 
basis point like uh, Canada, the Bank of Canada. Okay, Stuart, final word to you. We are with the Productivity Council warned yesterday that these cross-border restrictions are weighing heavily on SMEs despite uh, easing of social distancing measures, consumption vouchers and the like. Do you think we're heading for recession here? Uh, yes, I think we probably are. I, I don't know what tea leaves Paul Chan was looking at in February, but it was, wasn't the right ones. And a lot of people were discounting his forecast of GDP of 2 or 3% percent then i think it's going to be very close to recession in hong kong but of course again it is really really important that the borders get opened up and whether it's to the rest of the world or to china doesn't matter um rest of the world would be ideal because that will bring in foreign tourists and a lot of foreign money but china also brings in a lot of money and and that is essential for the success of the hong kong economy and this is the one thing that is being prevented at the moment okay well thank you very much you heard there Asian Fund Management Industry Consultant Stuart Aldcroft, Dickie Wong, Head of Research at Kingston Securities, and our International Economics Correspondent, Barry Wood. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Around the markets in the region, the SX200 in Australia is more or less flat. The Nikkei 225 in Japan is down about a third of a percent at the moment. The Cosby in South Korea also off a third of a percent and futures markets pointing to a loss of about 150 points for the Hang Seng at the open this morning. Thank you very much for listening this morning. Do please join me again tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock for Money Talk. Coming up after the news, back chats with Janice Wong and Daddy Gittings. The weather forecast, sunny and very hot. Maximum temperature of 35 degrees in the urban areas, a couple of degrees higher in the new territories. It's going to remain persistently very hot and sunny for the rest of this week and early next week. That very hot weather warning is in force once again. It's already 30 degrees, 72% relative humidity. It's 8.32. Here's Andrew Shirovsky with the Half Hour News. Thank you, Peter. Chief Executive John Lee, a judge at the Court of Final Appeal, and several Olympic and Paralympic athletes are among a record 890 people awarded honors by the former Hong Kong leader Carrie Lam. A presentation ceremony will be held later this year. Natalie Ching reports. Seven people are being awarded with the top Grand Bohemia Medal, including Chief Executive John Lee, Executive and Legislative Counselor Tommy Jung, a permanent judge at the Court of Final Appeal Roberto Ribeiro, as well as a leader in the Fujian community Ng Leung Ho. Mr. Lee is praised for his dedicated and distinguished public service over the past 44 years, with the government saying he had made sterling contributions when he was the security chief and chief secretary. A total of 53 people are being awarded Gold Bauhinia or Silver Bauhinia stars. They include a number of current and former government officials, veteran actress Elizabeth Wang and the retired RTHK DJ Ray Kodiro, as well as swimmer Shifan Hohi, fencer Chang Kaolong and cyclist Sarah Lee, who won medals in the Tokyo Olympics. A police constable, So King Cho, who was knifed on July the 1st, 2021 outside the Sogo department store in Causeway Bay, was awarded a silver medal for bravery. Turning overseas, Donald Trump is back in the U.S. Capitol for the first time since he left Washington under a cloud. The former president gave a speech to a right-wing think tank amid speculation that he could soon declare his intention to run again for the White House. And he returned to one of the themes which helped him in his 2016 victory, the U.S.-Mexico border. To secure our country, we have to secure our borders. And there's never been anything like what's taking place at our border. Our open borders are a gaping wound allowing drugs, gangs,
child traffickers, human smugglers, and tens of thousands of dangerous criminals to pour into our country. That's every week. The International Monetary Fund has warned that the world could be teetering on the brink of the worst recession for half a century if the effects of the Ukraine war and high inflation go unchecked. In its latest global outlook, the IMF forecasts that growth will slow to 3.2% this year, falling to 2.9% next year. Its chief economist, Pierre-Olivier Gourinchon, said there were many areas at risk. First, the war in Ukraine could lead to a sudden stop of European gas flows from Russia. Second, Inflation could remain stubbornly high if labor markets remain overly tight, inflation expectations de-anchor, or disinflation proves more costly than expected.